Okay, the story of the Magi in Matthew 2. Um, most Christmas uh, nativity scenes, you know, you have the Magi there and they're offering gifts and it's, you know, a really awesome time. Uh, but there's also a problem, which there's a, let's say, a, <laughs> a bad part of the story. And the bad part of the story is the killing of the holy innocents by Herod. Um, so the story of the Magi, while also really beautiful, um, we also have the massacre of infants in Bethlehem that were two years old or under. Very terrible situation. But it's it seems really strange. You know, why would Herod go to such lengths to try and kill the Messiah, this Messiah King? Why would he go to such lengths to do this? So let's go to Matthew 2. In the time of King Herod, and after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? If we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem and land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then having their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Okay, I'm going to stop it here. We'll come back to the story, but okay, King Herod. Who is King Herod? Well, King Herod considers himself the king of the Jews, and uh, Herod is actually not a Jew himself. He's actually an Edomite. And Now, the Edomites were not Jews. They were in the promised land when the Jews were going into the promised land, and so the Romans are technically over the, the province of Judea and over Israel. But they've appointed this kind of intermediary figure called King Herod, and uh, we know from history that Herod was uh, particularly violent. He also was a fantastic architect, and he's the one who built the uh, the temple in Jerusalem, the, the rebuilt temple, the Herodian temple, they call it. And so Herod paid for it with his own money as well, and was known as being like a benefactor of the Jews. But the Jews didn't particularly like Herod because they knew he wasn't really a Jewish king, but he called himself the king of the Jews. So all of a sudden we have magi, magicians, coming from the east, coming to Jerusalem and saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Okay, immediately Herod would have been like, what are you talking about? I'm the king of the Jews. (laughs) For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Now, why does Herod take this seriously? Like, oh, we observed a star, like random magi, we observed a star. Okay, this is because there's a prophecy that is behind this in Numbers 22 through 24, and it has to do with Edom, Moab, and Israel. So in Numbers 22, we have 
Uh, the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan across from Jericho. So the Israelites are coming in, coming close to the land of the promised land. And you have the Moabites and the Edomites are currently in possession of that land. And they're realizing that the Israelites are probably going to invade. And so Balak, son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, this horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pethor near the Euphrates River in his native land. Balak said, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed and whoever you curse is cursed. Okay, so Moab's really terrified because the Israelites are about to come destroy them. So Balak calls Balaam, uh, who is at Pethor, son of Balaam, son of Beor, who's at Pethor, and says, okay, I want you to come, you prophet guy, and curse the Israelites before they get here. So we're going to end up winning. So Balaam uh, comes to Balak. And we have the really funny story in Numbers 22, verse 21, where uh, Balaam's riding his donkey and his servants are with him. And the donkey sees the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, and it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. So Balaam's riding this donkey to come come to Balak, and the donkey (laughs) sees an angel of the Lord and gets frightened and starts running away. So Balaam hits it, like, get back on the road. What are you doing? Um, and then in verse 27, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, okay, this is, uh, this is definitely one of the funniest stories in the old Testament. So the donkey's seeing this angel and then the Lord opens the donkey's mouth and it says to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. So I guess he, in his rage, forgot like, oh my gosh, this is the talking donkey. Okay, verse 30. Uh, The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, Balaam said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. Um. And then we have Balaam saying, you know, I've sinned. I didn't see you there. Okay. Sorry, donkey. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> Balaam goes up onto a high hill and he sacrifices cattle and sheep. And then he, um, the next morning, Balak took Balaam up to Bamath Baal. And from there, he could see the outskirts of the Israelite camp. So like, okay, Balaam's ready. Balaam's ready to make this big old curse against Israel. And, uh, but there's just one problem. When Balaam speaks, he says this message. So he's looking out over all of Israel and Balak's there like, oh, I'm really excited. He's going to curse him now. And this is in chapter 23, verse 7. Then Balaam spoke his message. Balak brought me from Aram, the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come, denounce Israel. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? From the rocky peaks, I see them. From the heights, I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and may my final end be like theirs. 
Yikes, that's not much of a curse, that's a blessing. <laughs> Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemy, enemies, but you've done nothing but bless them. Balaam answered, must I not speak what the Lord puts into my mouth? So anyways, uh, <laughs> Balak is like, okay, well, maybe let's try it another time. So the second time he does it, it's another just awesome blessing upon Israel. You know, no fortune is seen in Jacob, no misery observed in Israel. Their Lord, their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. There is no divination against Jacob, no evil omens against Israel. And Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. <laughs> so Balak's really pissed. And then we have the third message. And this is the one that becomes important for our story. I, I wanted to you know, discuss this before uh, getting to just the prophecy, because I, I just find the story amazing. Um, but anyways, we have Balaam prophesying one more time. And this last time in verse 15 of chapter 24, the prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor. The prophecy of one whose eyes see, see clearly, the one of the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheth. Edom will be conquered. Seer, his enemy, will be conquered, but Israel will go strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the cities. Okay, so this is like the nail in the coffin, right? He shall crush the forehead of Moab and Edom shall be dispossessed or conquered. Okay, so let's go back to Matthew. And notice also, I see him, but not near. I behold him, but not near. Uh, now, a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel, that this coming King Messiah. So now we have the Magi from the east coming to Jerusalem and saying, where is he who's been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising. Okay. Who's King of the Jews? Well, Herod, well, he thinks he is, but he's not a Jew. He's an Edomite. Where is he who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising. Oh man. Okay. So King Herod's frightened in all Jerusalem with him because these Magi from the East and the Magi most likely come from Babylon. And we know this because Daniel would have been, uh, you know, he was well known to the King and very well known in Babylon. And he probably taught the law and his prophecies to the men of the East in Babylon. And so they would have been acquainted with the scriptures, especially with the law with Numbers 24. And so saying they've seen a star is basically Herod's freaking out because he's an Edomite and Edom's going to be dispossessed by this coming king. So he calls the priests and the scribes and says, okay, where's this Messiah going to be born? They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been said by the prophet. And this quote from the prophets from Micah and the one in Micah, uh, I believe it's Micah three. I thought I had it open. Um, so what we have, uh, Micah five, here we go. Sorry. So Micah 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, etc. And the remnant of the world, the Lord will uh, come. 
And then in chapter six, he says, my people remember what Balak king of Moab plotted and what Balaam son of Beor answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gigal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. Okay, so in Micah 6 verse 5, we have Micah telling Israel, hey, remember what happened to Balak and Balaam um, when they plotted against the Lord's anointed one. And then we have in Micah 5, the promised ruler comes from Bethlehem. So returning to Matthew 2, so all of these are swirling around in King Herod's mind Micah 5, Micah 6, that Moab's going to get dispossessed, and then Numbers 22 through 24 um, regarding the prophecies of Balaam, and he gets freaked out. So he calls to the wise men, tells them, go to Bethlehem, search diligently from the child, and then tell me to give, give me word. Why? So he could kill him because any, you know, and we know from, I believe it's from Josephus regarding Herod, Herod was just totally concerned about how to preserve his power. Uh, I believe two of his sons were vying for the throne and he just literally like murdered one of them. Um, so Herod is not uh, a guy to mess with when it comes to power. So they go and they offer his him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And at once this is, you know, the fathers make a lot of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That gold shows his kingship. Frankincense um, is, you know, a, pre- a priestly offering. And then myrrh would be a strange offering, but it'd be burial. So it it foreshadows his death. Um, But also it'd be a a renunciation of the Magi's uh, instruments of divination, their instruments of alchemy. They would have used gold, frankincense, and myrrh for these things. So they renounce that and give it to him who is the true king. So now we continue. Now, after the wise men had left by another way, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy them. And so they went to Egypt. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was enraged and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah, a a voice was heard in Ramah wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they were no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, go take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who are seeking the child's life are dead. And they went to Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Being warned in a dream, he went to Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. So the prophecy in Jeremiah is from Jeremiah 31, um, and it is a uh, a fantastic prophecy. I'm not going to go into it in its completion now. I, I definitely invite you to read it, but uh, this is one of the most important prophecies. First, the uh, the prophecy that uh, the Lord will eventually restore all of Israel, that Israel will be brought back. So this is going to play a big role. And then finally, the new covenant in uh, Jeremiah 31, verses 31. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke. But I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. So, and we also have the, um, uh, thus says the Lord of voices heard in Ramah, Rachel weeping for her children. 
So Matthew connects this here with the massacre of the infants. And he killed, Herod killed all the male children two years old or younger in and around Bethlehem. Uh, really a tragic um, a tragic story in one regard and a very joyful one in another regard. But it already, it already set up, sets up from the beginning of Christ's life the violence that the ruling establishment of, of, um, of Israel at the time is having against Christ, is having against, um, yeah, his righteousness and against the coming of the king, um, that the powers of this world are trying to corroborate to destroy the Christ before he even gets into the world. But it's God's divine plan to overcome all of that violence, and it's within God's providence to um, overcome it and not to be conquered by it. So hopefully uh, that gives you some help as to why Herod was so enraged. Uh, The prophecies are, once again, Numbers 22 through 24, Jeremiah 31, Micah 5, and Micah 6. Uh, Thanks for listening. I'll see you in the next one.